Are you ready? What's for dinner? <laughs> I'm hungry. Yum, 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 yum. Let's go, everybody. Yay! Yay! Hi, everybody. I paused starting this video because I heard that I haven't turned off my ice machine and it's going to make noise and it may uh, prevent you guys from hearing what's going on. I'll turn it off in a few minutes. So welcome to another episode. That's not normally the way I want to start. That's okay, making me laugh and um, making me giddy. So I'm excited. We're going to do another episode. We're going to do another vegan recipe, a, uh, a Greek recipe. Um, but of course, as always, before I get to the recipe, I need to mention a few things. I mentioned that I am up, getting up there in age, and I'm forgetful. I mean, I'm not old. <laughs> I'm not a grandma. There's nothing wrong with being a grandma. I'm just not there yet. But I'm not a young girl either. Um, I have a lot of experiences on my belt uh, that I'm very proud of, good and bad. Um, but, you know, uh, I am diabetic, type 2 diabetic, so it has taken a little bit of a toll on my, um, my memory. That's why I jot down everything. So, almost every episode we start, I probably have to remind you guys of something that I forgot to mention in the previous uh, episode. So, the first thing I want to mention, in the previous episode, we made Zoe's scrumptious refrigerator dessert. And I mentioned in the video that I was sending it off to my cousin Rula, and I mentioned that there was some lumps in my custard. The first thing that happened was when I called my cousin to tell her what time is she going to be home so my husband can take the dessert to her, she actually said, oh my God, I'm so excited, but you didn't let me know in advance um, that you were going to make, I, she knew I was going to make it for her, but she just didn't know I was going to make it so soon after our Easter feast. Well, most Greek homes, most Orthodox Christians, um, when we cook for Easter, I mentioned this in a, on another video, we cook for, even if we're feeding five people, we cook for a hundred, so to speak. So she basically said to me, I would love to have this dessert and her children love my dessert. And my desserts, sorry. And uh, she, but she basically said to me, I have no room in my fridge. I have desserts galore in my fridge. I have uh, pasta dishes, so on and so forth. So she actually had no room for it. She didn't want it to go to waste. I was gonna send it off to another friend, but my family basically, and mostly my husband, 
and maybe my cameraman, begged me to keep it so that we can enjoy it. Even though I made it for Easter and we had just finished off a pan, they wanted me to keep it so we can all eat it. So we cut it up and we started eating it. And again, we couldn't feel, we couldn't taste the lumps in the custard. So even though there was lumps in the custard, I told you my thoughts on maybe how to do it a little bit of a different way not to get the lumps. But again, even though there was lumps in the final result, pardon me, result, um, you know, it had sat in the fridge with the whipping cream for approximately a day or half a day and we cut it up and we couldn't taste the lumps. So that's great news because if you just do it the way I showed you guys and you do get lumps, don't panic. I understand if you do panic, I'm a perfectionist. I would like to see my custard smooth. I would like to see it without lumps. I would like to see it the way it was the first four times I made it and not the last two times. But it happens and it isn't a big deal. You'll hear me say that a lot. Um, so that's my first note. My second note is I've been editing all these episodes. Um, you realize that these episodes are not live, that I'm pre-taping all of this for, I mean, if a recipe takes me three hours to make, I'm already running way over time. There's a recipe, I think, that I'm, one of the episodes that I'm posting is at the two hour mark. And that's, I understand that that might be too much for some people. I'm trying to cut this down. So I'm trying to edit some things. You're not gonna sit, sit there watching me stir something or wait for me for it to cook for three hours that would be foolish and boring <laughs> so um I, as i'm uploading these videos and doing little tweaks very tiny tweaks i'm not even editing out my blunders or my remember when i was making tzatziki a piece of cucumber flew out of my hands i could have edited that out i could have stopped the video and went back and fixed it and so on and so forth. I, I'm not gonna bother tweaking stuff like that. Because this, like I said, this is a real kitchen and I want you guys to feel like you're here cooking with me. And I wanna feel that you guys are here with me. And accidents do happen. We're not gonna pretend to be Hollywood, these, you know, people who just arrange everything perfectly and they have, you know, uh, lots of editing and all that stuff. So I realized that in one of my videos when I made the meatballs, I forgot to give you guys I think I forgot to give you guys the temperature. So when you cook the, if you go to find the episode of the meatball, the meatball recipe, oven baked meatballs, um, I mentioned 18 minutes on one side and 18 minutes on the other side. Excuse me, what I didn't mention was 350 degrees Fahrenheit. So sorry about that. I will try to be a little more careful when it comes to that. Okay, so that's it for the notes today. And on to today's recipe. If you ask a Greek, whether the Greek is in Greece or in the US or Canada or Australia or whatever, if you ask them, what is Greece's national food? Most people are gonna laugh and say fasolada. There's a few people who might say moussaka. Moussaka is another dish that we will make eventually and you might know it as moussaka or something to that effect. And those of you who have watched my uh, big fat Greek wedding, you'll remember the little, the, the little 
girl saying she has moussaka for lunch and one of the children is bugging her and saying moussaka, you know, or something like that. And it was very funny. Moussaka um, is a very popular dish in Greece and most places in Greece do make it. It's become really popular because of tourists. Um, tourists seem to love this dish and I don't blame them. You know, it's eggplant, it's ground beef, and so on and so forth. But really, our national, jokingly, our national food is fasolada because every home in Greece makes fasolada. There are a few people who don't like it, and you know, not everybody can like everything. Now, we as Greek Orthodox Christians, we have many fasting periods in the year. Without getting into much detail, we have four great fasts. It's our, our Christmas fast, our Easter fast, um, St. Peter and Paul's fast, and um, the falling asleep of the, of the Mother of God, the Virgin Mary, and her fast. So those are the four major fasts. And um, one of them is for two weeks, the other two of them are for one is for 40 days and the other one is for 50 days and the last one or the fourth one anyhow is kind of different every year one year it might be two weeks one year it might be one month i'm not going to get into the details of that but so we do have a lot of vegan dishes in our uh kitchens in our cultures we also fast every wednesday and every friday so we can eat whatever we want Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, but Wednesdays and Fridays is vegan days. Vegan meaning not vegetarian. We don't have cheese. We don't have any type of dairy, eggs, you know, butter, any, no animal products. It's vegan. We can have olive oil unless it's a, during one of those great fasts, but I'm just talking throughout the year. We can have olive oil and we make vegan dishes. So from my great-grandmother's time, this is a dish that was always made uh, Wednesdays, Fridays, so on and so forth. If you're feeding a big family, you make a bigger dose. If you're feeding a smaller family, you make a smaller dose. But I'm not going to give you guys a small dose. I'm going to give you the big dose that I'm making for my family of five. Only because this is a good... Um, you can freeze this. I, for, I think I forgot. I think I mentioned when I had made the Greek lentil soup. You can also freeze that. So both these dishes, if you followed the other, if you saw my other episodes, the Greek lentil soup and the one I'm making today, the fasolada, uh, both of these can be frozen. So when they cool down completely after you cook them, you put them in a nice uh, airtight plastic container, label it put it in the fridge. When you want to eat it, take it out, leave it on the counter to defrost or in the fridge overnight. Let's say you want to eat it tomorrow, leave it in the fridge overnight, warm it up in the microwave, tastes just as good as the day you made it. So they're very good um, dishes that you can freeze. So if you're one person out there watching me, you're going to say, what am I going to do with this whole entire pot of bean soup? So that's what fasolada is. It's bean soup. And you say, what am I going to do with it? Well, you're going to make it. You're going to enjoy your one, two bowls. Maybe you want to have a bowl for lunch and a bowl for dinner. Or maybe you want to have a bowl for dinner and then another bowl tomorrow. When it cools down completely, get individual 
containers. Measure it out in a bowl how much you want to eat each time. Put it in the bowl, freeze it, label it, bean soup and maybe the date. Uh, and put it in the fridge and whenever you want, you can just pull it out. You have dinner ready, you don't have to fuss over a stove or anything like that. So this is why I'm going to give you the dose because it is freezable. If you don't want to freeze it and you have a smaller family, you can do the math and cut the ingredients in half. So the dish we're making, as I said, is called fasolada. How am I going to get you guys to say that? Well, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. I can't sing, but that's our music scale. So let's do, re, mi, throw that out. We don't want it. What's the next note? Fa, fa, so, la. So that's the first part of our word, fa, sol, la. The next note is do, change it to da, fa, sol, la, da. It's not really da, it's the. So T-H-A, F-A-S-O-L-A-T-H-A, fa, sol, la, da. So it's fasolada, it's Greek bean soup. So let's get to our recipe because again, I think I wasted too much time. I'm just gonna give me two seconds to press a button on my ice machine. All right, so I've pressed the power button so we don't get other noise. So I'm gonna, hopefully today I won't forget ingredients again, <laughs> as I always do. Um, five carrots, five celery stalks, three onions, salt and pepper to taste, 14 ounce can of ground tomatoes, one cup of olive oil, a heaping tablespoon of tomato paste, I don't remember if I mentioned salt and pepper, salt and pepper to taste, and uh, beans. Now, I buy, again, just like my lentils, I buy my beans in bulk. I buy the great northern beans. I like them. You can use white beans, white kidney beans, white beans. I would not use, uh, not, don't use red, don't use black, don't use pinto. You can use white beans. White beans, white kidney beans, or, for example, the great northern beans, which I'm using. I always use the great northern. I like them. So... We are, we are going to measure out our beans again, as I always tell you guys, candy kitchen scale. Now, we're going to pre-boil, pre-boil our beans. And I did that with the lentils as well, if you guys remember. Now, with the lentils, I had told you guys boil them for about 15 minutes. With the beans, it's a little different. Beans, some people soak them overnight. I don't just because most of the time I forget, but I also didn't, I wasn't taught that way. It is proper to soak beans and it does help. I just don't do it because like I said, I'm lazy. <laughs> no, I'm not really lazy, but I forget. And also I wasn't taught that way. So you can do it. I pre-boil my beans. Now people say that beans, uh, they do something to your stomach and you have a lot of gas. Supposedly pre-boiling beans helps with that. They're not, you won't become as gassy. So this is one of the reasons you pre-boil. Also, your vegetables are gonna boil up much quicker than your beans. So imagine maybe you need an hour and a half or another, an hour and 45 minutes for your beans to boil, but you only need about 45 minutes for your vegetables. So 
if you end up not pre-boiling and just sticking everything in the pot, you're gonna get really mushy vegetables and well done beans. So we don't want that. So again, just like the lentils, you can do 500 grams or 600 grams. I'm going to do 600. So I'm gonna turn on the scale. She's gonna greet us and then she's gonna say I'm ready. And this is a, a bag that I have. I know it's more. I know it's less than 600 because it's just a couple of handfuls. So I'm just pouring the whole bag in. So we're almost at the 400 mark, which is pretty good. I'm just getting the last little bits of beans out of the bag and I'm going to open up the other bag we're almost at the 400 mark oh there you go she said 400 so and and you're going to say to me why does that happen well the way you're moving around sometimes the scale moves a little bit and so on and so forth so it just balances itself out and gives you and I touched it now, so that's probably why it's a 401. So I'm just going to add a little more. So we're at 450 now. I, I'm not really getting into the details of finding the pot and pouring the, the beans over. I've showed you guys that before. Good. We're at 558, so I'm going to let a little bit more drop. Grams. 584. Grams. Good. I actually got 600, which, remember we said, this is not baking, so 602, 605, doesn't matter. So I'm just going to set the beans aside. Turn off the scale. Goodbye. Goodbye. We no longer need the scale. So I'm just putting it away. Okay. I'm going to pre-boil these. Um, I showed you guys that with my non-stick pot, I have the knobs of the handles that I can feel inside. Again, if you don't have a pot that you can feel the knobs inside, put your fingers at the edge and make sure you're about three fingers down from the top. So put your fingers horizontally into your pot and feel that you're about three fingers widths down from the edge. So you don't, cause you don't want this to, um, you don't want it to overboil. So I'm just gonna feel for my knob that I warned you, that I told you guys about. And I'm just going to add water. And again, you guys will probably do this over the tap. I don't use tap water, but if you do, that's fine. So I've added my water. And I'm just going to uh, cover them when I find where I put the cap. Okay. Whoops. And I'm going to put it on my burner. This is a big pot, so I'm going to put it whoops, on my um, front big burner. The burner's off, so I can touch the burner and center. I've got the raised burners, as I've mentioned before. Now, again, I mentioned this another time. For the sake of it not boiling over... 
um, because I'm going to put it on high because these might take a long time to get the, I want them crisp tender. So it might even, even take about an hour. I'm not sure. 45 minutes. You have to go by taste. I would set the timer for about 35 minutes. At the 35 minute mark, start checking them. If they're getting too mushy, take them off. If they're still really tough to bite into, leave them. You want them crisp tender. You want them almost done. And I'm going to put it on high because it's got a long boiling time, but I'm going to lift up my uh, lid of my pot and I'm going to put it gently on the edge. So a little vent is open. That'll help with it not over boiling. And I'm just going to turn it on to high. I'm using the nonstick pot for pre-boiling. You don't have to. You don't have to use a nonstick pot here. And I'm not going to use the nonstick pot for the main stew, just like I did in my lentils, because this is a big dose. I'm going to use a bigger pot. The nonstick pots are just your regular size pots. They're not your big stewing pots. So I've got a stainless steel pot here, and that's what I'm going to use for my main stew. I um. I have cut up, I've pre-done this, and hopefully we can shorten these uh, episodes down a little. I've pre-cut um, celery, carrots, and onions. You want to dice your onions, not too small, not too big, and you want to slice up. So actually, here, I just got a little piece of onion in my hands. It's, it's... Hmm, about half the size of a dice, I would say. It's not too small, but it's not too big either. And you want to slice up your celery. Again, not too thin, not too thick. A medium, I would say it's probably about a quarter of an inch thick. I don't do things like that by measurement. And your carrots, you want to slice them into rounds. If your round is too big, you're going to cut it in half. So I've got most of my vegetables cut up, but I saved a little bit to show you guys. Now, the other thing I want to mention about celery. In Greece, when they make this, um, celery in a garden... Sorry, I just want to set my timer. Actually, it hasn't started boiling. Sorry. Never mind. See, that's my mind thinking ahead. In Greece, and even in a, a farmer, um, I go to a farm every summer, and I get fresh celery. I actually cut it myself. They allow me to do so. It's uh, somewhere in Newmarket. When you go there to the farmer's market, or, or not farmer's market, to the farm itself, or in Greece, Celery is not really what you get at the supermarket, these very hard pieces of celery that we chop up and we put in our salads. The actual stalks, the celery stalks are very tiny. Um, and then there's a huge bunch of leaves on top. The leaves are very nutritious. They're very good for your health. They're very tasty. So in Greece, they more use the leaves than they do the actual stalk. So they might have a little bit of stalk and a whole bunch of celery leaves. We can't find that here at the supermarkets. We do get celery with a little bit of leaves, like the ones I'm holding in my hand, um, 
the top of the celery stalk, they might have a little bit of leaves, but very little. What I'm talking about is a bouquet of leaves. Think of a big bouquet. So when I do go to the farm and I do find that, I actually chop them up and freeze them to have them for the winter when I make my uh, dish because I like to get more of the leaves in. I don't have any frozen left. So I am going to show you guys once I find my knife. Okay. With the leaves, and this is for parsley, dill, any type of herb, you've washed them, you've removed the yellow ones or the brown ones, you want nice green, healthy leaves. You don't want to feel any slime on them. If you're blind, how are you going to know which ones are yellow, which ones are brown, which ones are green? You're going to have to ask either somebody at the supermarket say, hi, I want a bunch of parsley, but can you remove the bad ones for me because I'm blind? And most people are nice enough to do that. Um, or you're going to get a sighted person to do it. Or you're just going to risk it. Unfortunately, there's no way... Maybe you can use one of these apps where you can hold up parsley to your camera and somebody can tell you, I do see some brown ones and they can help you pull them out. It's a little hard to do with parsley and dill and herbs. So this is a good batch that my mom has checked. Now, this is the way you do parsley and some people use um, kitchens, kitchen shears. I don't because I can't see what I'm doing. So I can't control the kitchen shears because I want to do this finally. So you grab a bunch in your hand. So this is maybe one, two, three, four. It's five little uh, stems with celery leaves. So what you do is you bunch them together and you twist them. You twist the leaves all together. And there's one that's much bigger. So I'm just going to fold it over onto the other leaves. And you twist. With one hand, I'm holding uh, with my left hand, I'm holding it, and with my right hand, I'm twisting. And I'm getting, I've got a twisted bunch of leaves in my hands that I'm holding with my hand in place. And you're going to start at the edge, and you're going to feel, and you're going to just chop, chop, chop. I'm using my finger as a guide, and I can do that because this knife is not sharp. I can't put this down and do it because I can't hold it in place. So... Somebody else might have other techniques. This is what's worked for me for years. So I'm actually chopping it nice and fine, if the camera can catch that. I'm using my finger as a guide to how I'm doing it. And this is the result. It's, it's nice and fine. So this is how you would chop up the leaves. You just hold as much as you can hold in your hand. You twist and you chop. And see how fast I'm going? Because this knife is not sharp and I'm used to it. And I know what I'm doing. I won't cut myself. And I'm just cutting it really fine. And if, you know, if a couple of pieces are not that fine, it's okay. It's celery. It's going to go, and you're going to cut everything, stems and all. Unless you feel your stem, if you feel like you're going through your stem and it's really hard to cut through the stem, throw that out. It's, uh, it's not tender, so it'll it probably won't even boil, or it might boil, but it'll take forever. So if you feel a piece that's not cutting, just, you know, throw it out. So I've already mentioned two, three words, and I'm already finished with the celery. Now, out of my five celery stalks, I saved one that I didn't cut up.
to show you guys what I do. Some people, it's come to my attention lately, that some people wash celery. They cut off the bottom part that feels kind of like an arch and the top part that feels like uh, the closed arch with the stem. They cut off those and they just wash them and um, slice them up. And I think that's okay. But I haven't been taught that way. So what I do, I'm just going to go over to my sink, over my sink. I hold the arch facing down. So the arch, sorry, the opening of the arch is facing the palm of my hand. The top of the arch is facing me. I'm holding it horizontally or vertically. And just like we did in another recipe with the cucumber, I'm going to find the top, place my potato peeler at the top, and I'm going to apply um, pressure. And, and I hate this potato peeler that my mom chose. <laughs> and I'm going to just slice all the way down. So a very thin layer of the celery comes off. It's paper thin. The reason we do that is celery seems to have these strings that if you don't get them out, um, some people don't like tasting them. And my husband is one of those. And so this is, I'm just gonna go across all the celery. Don't worry if you don't get it all off. I'm feeling with my finger and I'm, whoops. So I've done three swipes all the way down from the top to the bottom. I'm feeling with my finger where I haven't done it. And you might need to apply pressure with your finger underneath while you're doing this because your celery might snap. You don't want that to happen. So I'm putting my one finger under the arch to give it resistance. And I'm putting the potato peeler on the outside of the arch and I'm moving my finger slowly and moving the potato peeler slowly. Moving my finger down, moving the potato peeler down. So just to get off some of these strings. And I'm almost to the end. I'm doing the sides now. And again, I, I'm, I'm holding it carefully so it doesn't snap on me. Now, see, I just pulled off a little string. I will show you guys again. Now at the bottom, just like the cucumber, you might have not gotten it all. So you're just gonna go a couple of centimeters up from the bottom and you're gonna just slice off whatever you think you may have missed. And if you miss some, like I said, some people don't even do this. Some people just wash them and slice them up. These are already washed. I'm pretty much done. I don't care if there's any more. And now, blind, um, I forget what they're called. The people who teach the blind how to cook. They will tell you, put the celery or the carrot on the counter. Feel with your finger how thick you want it. So I'm at the edge of the celery and they'll tell you, put the knife next to your finger. So let's say that's the thickness I want. And they'll tell you, which isn't, I want it thinner. I want it there. So I've chosen my, th my length and I've got my knife on and there goes my pot boiling over. So, see? Remember I mentioned this is good that this happened. My pot is boiling over, even though I left it a little bit open. So I need to turn down my heat. I'm reaching behind. And I turned it down, so it boils over. And that may happen. Uh, right now, if I wasn't doing this video, I'd grab paper towels and I'd start 
slopping up the mess, but I'm not going to do that right now because I don't have time. <laughs> My mom's going to be upset, but that's okay. So, as we were saying, I'm going to feel for the, and sorry, again, I need to set the timer because it started to boil. So, one, two, three, four. I'm just pressing the minute button. So I pressed the minute button 35 minutes. I'm going to press the start and I'm going to press the minute button again and it does nothing. So it means it's working. So I'll check on the beans at 35 minutes. So again, guys, I'm sorry, but again, real kitchen. So we said, I'm going to choose the thickness of my celery. I'm going to put the knife on top. I'm going to move my finger away and I can put my hands on top of the knife and push down. And that will give me a nice slice. The problem with that for me is for me to sit and do five celery stalks, five carrots, to do that, feel where it is, cut, move my fingers away, cut, do it. It's very safe to do, and please do, if that's, if you're afraid, please by all means do that because it is safe. So I'm just gonna show you again one more time. I'm gonna choose the thickness. I've chosen the thickness. A medium thickness, not too thin, not too thick. I've got the knife on top, and I can either apply pressure, just pull my hand away and apply pressure on the knife, and it'll slice it, or I can help it by putting my fingers on top of the knife and pushing down. And there's your, sorry, there's your slice. For me, that's really time-consuming. So what I do is the same thing like the finger thing I showed you guys before. I can do this with my knife because my knife doesn't very hard to cut myself with this particular knife. It's got teeth, it's not very sharp. I'm actually rubbing my, camera can see I've done this before, but I'm rubbing my thumb right up and down the teeth. Nothing happens. So it's, it's, it's a duller knife that will cut vegetables. Now, as I cut these two slices, these two little, at the top, these two little strings appeared. This is what my husband doesn't like and, and my mother too. So I just grab the string. You can feel the string. You just grab it and pull it, toss it in your sink. And there's one more, so I'm just gonna grab it. And whatever comes off, this one came off longer, like a longer piece. So back to the celery. I use my finger as a guide. I place my knife under, as I'm holding my celery stock in my hand, I place it under. Feel where I want the thickness. I've got my thumb on the top part. So my knife, as it goes through, it does touch my thumb when it slices through. So somebody might say, oh my God, that's dangerous. It is if you don't have the proper knife and you don't have the experience. With this knife, no matter what I do, when it gets to my thumb, that's it. It stops. It won't cut me. So it'll cut my vegetable, but I'm quick on the thumb too. I pull my thumb away and I just slice much faster. So I'm just finishing up my slices of celery so I can show you the carrot. And then basically we're done with our vegetables. And um, you might get some pieces that are a little thinner. You might get some pieces that are a little thicker. It doesn't matter. You want your bite-sized pieces. So I'm still at the um, thin part of the celery stalk. I'm getting to the thicker part now. And I just felt a string again. So I'm just pulling it off, throwing it in the sink. And here we go again. And slice, slice, slice. 
slice, slice. And I can even show you my fingers. There's absolutely no nicks, no scratches, nothing on my fingers. I will, I wish I could buy these knives and just distribute them out to all blind people. The truth of the matter is I didn't actually buy these knives. I got these knives 30 years ago on a promotion at a department store. So if these knives actually go, I'm going to be very upset because I've had them for 30 years and they really work for me. And I'm sure I could find knives that will do the same thing. But right now I have them. Why would I even look? So, um, but if you, you know, a dull knife that'll cut a vegetable, but not your fingers when you're running your fingers across. So I'm getting to the really thick part. And now this one is okay, but let me show you a little further down. Hold on. Okay. This is a pretty, well, this one's okay too. <laughs> okay. What I'm trying to get at is if you get to the part that's really big, that's more than a bite size on your spoon. So I would just, let's say this was too big, I would just cut it in half. So you, you slice off your piece of celery. So you have an arch slice of piece of celery. You just, in the middle of the arch, just cut it. So if it's too big. So we're almost done our celery. I have a couple of more slices. And I'm just chopping all of this into a bowl. You can actually chop it directly into your main stew pot. But um, because I pre-did this, I didn't. I just wanted to show you guys. So I did it in a bowl because I thought it would be easier uh, to show you guys. Now I'm right at the end of the root, and I forgot to tell you that you can. You should cut off the part at the end of the root and throw it out before you start slicing. So I'm not even gonna. I have about a half a centimeter left in my hand that I'm just gonna throw out. So we've done all our celery, our onions are diced, and we have one carrot to do as well. Oh, look, I just saw a little stem with some leaves that I missed. So I'm just gonna quickly chop that up, same way I showed you guys. And again, if they're a little fatter, a little thinner, it doesn't matter. Okay, that's done. Now, we've got a carrot. What did I do with my potato? Excellent. Okay. Carrot is like a cucumber. If, before you start peeling, feel the carrot with your fingers. If you feel anything slimy, slice it off with a knife. If you feel a hole, slice it off with a knife. I've felt this. I don't feel any holes or any slimy parts. It's nice and dry. I've washed these already and they've been drying for the last couple of hours. So same thing like your cucumber or just like the way we did the celery. You hold it in your left. I hold it in my left hand. I have it. I don't have it vertical. I have it flat. <laughs> so the top of the carrot where the leaves were is facing my wall and the point of the carrot is facing my chest. And I find the top with my potato peeler and I just apply pressure and slice all the way down. You just glide over your carrot from top to bottom and you turn your carrot. Turn, tip, or top, pressure to the tip, glide down, turn your carrot. Top of the carrot, glide pressure, glide down all the way to the tip, turn your carrot. Again, top, glide, and all the way up. You keep doing that all around. 
until with your fingers you can no longer feel um, any peel. Now, there are dishes that you cook, some people cook with the peel on. So if you miss a little peel, especially in this dish, it doesn't matter. But I can feel it. Now, there's a part that I don't like, and the potato peeler could have caused that. It could be a hole. It could be something, no matter what, it's an anomaly. I don't like it. My whole carrot feels smooth, except for the lines of me cutting off the peel, peel, so from top to bottom. But I feel an anomaly, and it could be nothing, but because I'm a perfectionist, I'm just going to actually use my potato peeler to slice that off and make my carrot feel smooth all around. Now you've got your, your tips may have a little bit of peel. You're just gonna take your knife and carrots are very tough to slice. So in this case, I would put the carrot down. I'm about a quarter of an inch from the top of the carrot. I've got my knife in place and I'm gonna help my knife and I'm gonna slice off that end and I'm gonna throw it out because that's where your stems were. And I'm just gonna cut off the tip even though it might not have anything. Now. This is a nice thin carrot, and I actually should have chosen a thicker one because you're just going to slice your carrot, and again, use the, the counter technique if you want. I don't need it. I'm going to do it the way I did the celery. I'm just slicing right through the carrot, and I'm making um, I'm just slicing the carrot, round slices of carrot. Not, again, not too thin because they'll melt away in the stew. Not too thick. Just a nice medium size, about a quarter. I would say it's about a quarter of an inch. If this carrot was fat towards the top, let's just pretend that I, I just cut off a slice from the top. It's a good size for my spoon. It's a bite-sized piece because this was a thin carrot. But sometimes you may get a really thick carrot. And if you do... Um, I should have saved a piece and I didn't. I'm sorry. But if you do, what you do is you just cut the circle in half. So now you've got two half moon pieces. If your carrot is too, your slice is too big, you just cut it into two pieces and throw it in. Um, and I would, oh, here's one. So here's one that I find is a little too big. In comparison to the celery, the onions, the beans, this is a nice big slice. So to me, this is too big. So I would just slice right through it. And now you've got two uh, half moon slices. So you, that's just the way you do it. So slice up your carrots, slice up or dice your onions, slice up your um, celery. Try to get as many leaves into your celery as possible. So I'm almost done this carrot. <clears throat> As soon as I'm done this carrot, I'm just going to dump all these vegetables into my stainless steel pot. And, oops. So this is, this recipe, very few ingredients. Your five carrots, five celeries, three large onions, um, one cup of olive oil, one 14 ounce can of tomatoes, one heaping tablespoon of tomato paste, salt and pepper to taste, five or 600 grams of beans. I need to wait for my beans to reach that crisp tender mark. So right now my vegetables are all cut up. 
I have nothing else I can do at this point because I need to wait for my beads. So I'm just gonna um, find my stainless steel pot and I feel for it. Remember, it's not on the heat, so we have no danger. And I'm just gonna throw in all my vegetables that I've chopped up. And I'm just, whatever stuck to the bowl, I'm just um, with my fingers pushing them out. And some celery leaves, because they're very finely um, chopped, may end up sticking to the bowl and refusing to come out. You're gonna lose maybe, <laughs> maybe a, you know, an eighth of a teaspoon. Um, it's not, an eighth of a teaspoon is not important. I've gotten as much out as I think I can get. I'm just feeling the bowl again to make sure that I'm not missing any big pieces and I'm good. So at this point, all my vegetables are in my pot, but I can't continue on with the recipe until my beans are ready. So I'm just going to cover my vegetables so nothing falls in. It, it, it is springtime, you know, bugs could happen or something like that and you don't want any bugs falling into your food. So for right now, I'm going to have to put you guys on hold and we'll come back when the beans are ready. And at that point, I'll tell you how much time it took for my beans to be ready. Now, just like lentils, it'll be different every time. If your beans are a fresher batch at the supermarket, uh, they might cook up faster. If they're an older batch, it's been sitting on the supermarket shelf for a long time, it might take longer. Um, sometimes just the brand or the nature or the quality of the beans or what country it comes from. Every country has different soil, different climate, different different circumstances. And that all, it, it, it plays a role in your beans. These particular beans, I buy them in bulk. My, these beans are organic, great northern beans. Don't know where they're coming from. I don't know the origin. Not if I did, even if I did know the origin, that wouldn't help me to determine the cooking time. Just trying to tell you that there's many factors that play into how long your beans take to cook. Uh, hence why some people soak them. But even soaking them sometimes doesn't get them as tender as you'd like. So I'm gonna come back when these are ready and I'm gonna tell you approximately how long mine took. I do believe it's over the 35 minute mark for any beans. So we'll see when we come back. I'll let you guys know. So see you in a little bit. Ciao for now. We're back, our timer's going off. So I'm just gonna stop that. So I checked my beans at 35 minutes and they were pretty tough. Um, I checked them now and I've uh, I, I set the timer for another 20 minutes. And so in total, 55 minutes. And they're pretty much done. So I actually left them a little bit too much. Um, I'm just gonna lift off the lid and this handle isn't hot, so I'm able to grab the lid. I'm just gonna show you, I dip the spoon, I feel for the pot and I dip my tablespoon. So I feel for the edge of the pot and I dip my tablespoon in and I grab a whole bunch of beans in my spoon. I let it, I hold my hand over the pot so any liquid can drop. Carefully I find the spoon with my fingers, try not to touch the, I, I'm trying to find the beans and I feel the beans and they're a little hot. I grab the bean, 
stick it in my mouth, they're done. So I actually over, I'm just gonna turn off the heat. I actually over boiled them a little bit. So I probably should have, the 35 minutes, I should have added 10 minutes. So at the 45 minute mark, they would have been the crisp tender. My beans, I left them in for 55, 56 minutes. So they're a little bit overdone. I'm gonna remedy that by letting them boil with a vegetable. I'll, I'll, I'll explain as I go. So I need to strain these beans. Um, so I'm just, give me a second, I forgot to take out my strainer. Sorry about that, I should have been more. <clears throat> just put the strainer in the sink. And remember I said this particular pot, the handles aren't hot. So I'm just, I turned off the burner and I'm gonna take my pot over to the sink. I know where my sink is, so I feel the edge of the sink. The strainer is against the wall of the sink. So the pot is at the edge of my uh, sink. And I'm just gonna tip over right into the strainer. And, I, I, and I've turned the pot all the way upside down so everything can come out. Now, there might be a few beans left. If you want, you can just run some cold tap water in and stick your hand in to see if any are left. And actually in mine, there isn't any, so we're good. But that's the way you would check because you can't stick your hand into a very hot pot to see if your beans are there, um, if any beans are left. So you would just run a little bit of cold water in your pot to be able to stick your hand in. So I'm just gonna, I'm just lifting up the strainer and shaking the um, beans so all the water can <clears throat> come off. And I'm gonna move over to my stainless steel pot where we added, we had already put in our carrots, onions. Now remember, this pot is not on the burner. So I feel for the edge of the pot the strainer, I feel the edge of the strainer, it's over the my pot, and I'm just gonna tip it over and toss all the beans in. Put my hand, make sure all of them came out, and they did. So now we've got our beans, carrots, onions, uh, celery, everything's in the pot. And I'm just gonna put the strainer back into the uh, sink. I'm going to move my pot onto the burner where I originally had my beans boiling and I'm just centering it. And I'm feeling with my fingers so I can center. It's a little hot, so you have to be a little bit careful. And I'm just gonna add water now. Now, I would, if I had taken them out at the crisp, tender state, I would have let them boil for about 40 minutes. And then I would have added my oil, ground tomatoes, salt, pepper, everything I need to add. Because I overboiled them, but I still need my vegetables to get done. Um, the vegetables are cut into small pieces. So 40 minutes should be, 40, 45 minutes, should, the vegetables should be, excuse me, they should be done and they're probably, they're not going to be mush. But because I overboiled my beans, I am going to add my tomato, my ground tomatoes and my oil a little sooner than I normally would. So normally I would add it in around the 40 minute mark. Uh, today I'm gonna add it in at the 30 minute mark. So right now I'm just gonna fill the pot with water. So give me a second, I'm just grabbing my jug of water. <clears throat> now, this pot again, this particular one, I can't feel 
any screws from the handles when I put my hand in the pot. Um, but I need to make sure that I'm two, three fingers down from the edge. So this, I'm gonna add this water. Now this is very little in this jug, so I know it's not gonna come all the way to the top. I'm just adding that, and that jug is already empty. You would do this with your tap. I'm doing it with uh, water from the spring, and I'm just grabbing another jug. Now, I'm gonna put my hand in to where I want my water to go to. So approximately there, two, three fingers down from the top, and I'm just gonna pour the water in until I feel the water get to where I want it. Okay, now, you may wanna add more water if you want your stew. These, this soup that I'm showing you, this bean soup and the lentil soup that I showed you, thickness is a preference. Uh, I mentioned that my husband likes lentil soup thinner because he wants to stick all his bread inside. And I'm just gonna turn on the heat while I'm talking to hide. And I have my pot uncovered because I don't want it to boil over. Um, and it's the same thing with this bean soup. He likes it a little thinner, I like it a little thicker. If right now it's two, three fingers from the top, and that'll give me probably a thick stew because a lot of your water is gonna evaporate with the boiling. I Once this comes to a boil, I'm gonna turn it down to medium and I'm gonna cover the pot, leaving it open a little bit like we did before. Uh, so it doesn't boil over but because I don't want it to boil over like it did before I'm gonna let it come to a boil uncovered and then once it comes to a rapid boil I'm gonna take it down to medium cover the pot um, With a little uh, slight opening the way I showed you guys before um, When you're when you're boiling this when it comes time to add your oil and tomato ground tomatoes and so on and so on your other ingredients you may find that the water has evaporated to the point that it's going to give you too much of a thick stew. At that point, you can add in a little bit more water with your tomatoes. I, I, will, I will show you that again. So right now, I need to let this come to a boil, boil for 30 minutes, and at that point, I'm going to come back and show you guys our next steps. So for now, you know, they say never watch a, a kettle boil, it'll never boil. Yeah, so in that case, I'm going to turn off the video, wait for this to boil, and we'll come back in about 30 minutes, I would say. So see you in 30 minutes. So we're back. Our vegetables and beans have been boiling for about 30 minutes. Uh, as I said, I, I overboiled them, so I'm not even going to bother testing them for doneness. I'm sure by adding the next ingredients and letting it boil and thicken up for 20 minutes we're at the 50 minute mark it'll be fine so i'm going to use my pot holders to lift up the lid because this is um very hot it's a stainless steel the the handle of the lid gets hot our timer's at 20 seconds um you don't have to be exact now because we've only got a few seconds so I've got salt and pepper and I did have a spoon. It's not here anymore. I actually, no, I don't need it. Sorry. And I'm just turning off the timer. It reached its, um, I've got a tablespoon, a measuring tablespoon. 
I'm opening up the salt. I use sea salt, as I said before in my other recipes. Sea salt is not as intense as table salt. If you're using table salt, you might want to be careful. Uh, maybe add less than a tablespoon and taste. I am going to add a tablespoon because I know sea salt for this amount of stew, I might actually have to add a little more. But people can add to their bowls if they want more salt. So I, I put the tablespoon in my open, my wide mouth um, jar of salt. I scooped, I leveled off with the finger and I'm just, um, I just added the salt. <clears throat> and we no longer need the tablespoon. That goes in the sink. Salt goes to the side. I'm going to add, again, this is preference. I'm going to add two pinches of pepper, one, and I told you guys how to do that. You scoop with your two fingers, hold it tight between the two fingers, and then over the pot. So I've added salt and pepper. <clears throat> now, we have to add our oil. Just like I've done in every other recipe, I've got a dinner plate. I'm using a regular coffee cup mug. It's not a teacup, it's not a gigantic, it's your standard regular coffee mug. Um, on my plate, I put my thumb at the edge and I press down. My other fingers are kind of holding the, the uh, cup in place and I press down at the edge so uh, uh, the cushion of my thumb is in the cup, at the edge of the cup, but in. And I've got uh, an oil, a bottle of oil in my hands, uh, used mostly for serving. It's got a uh, small tip, so it's not going to pour. I'm going to find the edge, and I'm going to pour tip, and I'm pouring into the cup. And I should feel the oil when it reaches the cushion of my thumb. And it should give me enough time to pull away. And if it doesn't, that's why we have the dinner plate underneath. So if a little bit of oil spills out, you know, we're not going to make a mess because it's on the dinner plate. So I'm just filling up the cup of oil now, olive oil. I just shook the bottle a little bit so it can go a little quicker, just for the sake of the video. It's going to take, it takes about a minute, I guess, for it to fill up. Still don't feel it. Now my fingers might be a little sensitive and I might miss it. We'll see. Almost there, I think. Now at this point, if I want to, I can stop and feel where the oil is. So I can know how much more I have. So I'm just going to dip my finger in. Ooh, and we're almost to the top but not quite there yet. So I'm just doing it again. And you can feel it, uh, you can hear it um, pouring out. If I had a bigger oil 
a bigger mouth on my oil jar. It would go much quicker, but, oh, there it goes. I felt the oil. And I think I got maybe one or two drops um, on my plate, maybe. So we're pretty much to the top. I'm just moving towards my pot. I have the plate under my cup so that I don't spill it on the floor. I'm going to pull away my plate and I'm going to dump it into the pot. And I can hear it pouring in and I'm just shaking the cup over my pot to get the last drops out. So we've added our salt, pepper, oil, put that aside. And I'm just gonna grab a napkin to wipe my fingers from the oil. <coughs> the last two things we have to add to our soup is ground tomatoes and tomato paste and water maybe. So actually not maybe, we're gonna add a little water. I'm just plugging in my electric can opener because my tomato paste uh, is just a regular small can of tomato paste. My, um, my ground tomatoes, I've mentioned this before, I buy the 14 ounce organic crushed tomatoes. You can get um, ground tomatoes, crushed tomatoes, as long as they're ground or crushed without any other flavors. I just buy the organic, they come with a tab, I don't have to use a can opener, so I'm just gonna pull it open. So that's ready, but we also need tomato paste, and this doesn't have a tab, so I have to use my electric can opener. Um, electric can openers, it has this round magnet. You lift it up, you lift up this horizontal um, part of the can opener, careful your fingers you don't want to press anything because you don't want to get your fingers caught and you want to place your can your canned item in this case tomato paste as close to the you can feel underneath where the can is going to the you can feel the blade it won't cut you you can feel it and you're going to place it as close as possible you're going to hold it in place when you tip your horizontal thing back down the magnet is gonna go on top of the can and you're gonna press down and you're gonna hold it in place until you feel that the can opener has gotten it and it's turning the can. So at first it didn't, so I kinda held it and wiggled it and now it's turning and opening and it went click and it stopped on its own. So if I lift up this horizontal thing again, it just pulls off the, um, the cap and we're gonna throw the cap out, put the Thing is, the can opener aside. So I'm just gonna go over to the pot again, dump in my ground tomatoes. Be careful, hold, hold it over the pot and pour, but pull yourself away because it may splatter, as you can hear. So I pull, poured all of it in, but there's still stuff left in the can. That's fine. What you're gonna do at this point is, give me a second, I need to grab a, a spoon that I forgot. I have just a regular tablespoon, not a measuring tablespoon. I'm going to put it, insert it into the open can of tomato paste at the edge. I'm going to go down until my whole spoon is in and I'm going to scoop out whatever comes out. You want a nice big heaping tablespoon. So this is quite a big, it's not a tablespoon. It's more like two tablespoons, maybe even more. I just scooped out whatever and I'm going to put it into the can where the ground tomatoes were. I've put it in. I'm going to put that 
um, in the sink. We don't need the tablespoon. And I'm just wiping my fingers off from the tomato paste. Actually, I did need that spoon anyways, doesn't matter. <clears throat> I'm gonna grab water and I'm going to add water to this empty can that has our tomato paste in it now. So I feel for the edge, I put my finger in. Maybe a third of my finger is in the can. And I'm gonna fill the can until I feel water come to my finger. And there it goes. So I didn't spill any out and I filled and I'm gonna take a spoon, which my cameraman is nice enough to uh, give me. And I'm just gonna put the spoon in the can of water with tomato paste and I'm gonna stir to somewhat dissolve the tomato paste. And this is also whatever was left in our can, you know, it's the water's gonna empty it out. So I'm just dissolving it. You don't have to dissolve it completely. Just give it a good, good stir for a few 30 seconds to a minute, I guess. You can feel with a spoon if it's dissolved or not. Um, and you might not feel all of it. There might be a couple of little pieces. It's okay. I pretty much feel that it's dissolved. And it might not be. Now I'm going to lift up my spoon and check. There's nothing on my spoon. There might be some undissolved tomato paste in the can. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go over and pour this back into the pot now. And I actually, for, I actually heard a blob fall in. So that means it wasn't totally dissolved. Now, how do I know if I need more water in my stew? I've added all my ingredients at this point. Basically, now we just need our stew to boil and thicken up. So I'm going to move my cameraman and take a wooden spoon, just because I like using them. I'm using a stainless steel pot, so at this point, you can use whatever stirring uh, gadget you want. So I'm gonna mix up now all my ingredients. So the, everything's in here. Oil, salt, pepper, tomato, uh, sorry, ground tomatoes, tomato paste, uh, beans, vegetables. And I'm stirring and I'm feeling with my spoon if it needs more water. My, Like I said, my husband wants it a little more runny. So I am gonna add a little bit. I'm kind of feeling with my spoon where the water, I'm laying my spoon gently at the top of the stew and I'm feeling how, how much water I have. I have quite a bit of water in here. I can't get much more in. So I think I'm gonna add about approximately half a can. I, can, I, can't, I probably could get a whole can in, but that might be too much. So I'm just gonna fill up my can with what I think might be half. And I'm going to add that in. Okay. Now, maybe I could get more in, but I don't want to risk it. So I'm stirring everything up. I'm going to turn this up to high. I'm reaching for the back. Okay. I've turned it up to high. And I'm going to let this come to a boil. Once it starts to boil, I'm going to set my timer and I'm just placing my wooden spoon uh, in my empty can. And once this comes to a rapid boil, I'm gonna set my timer for 20 minutes. Just like the lentil soup, now you're gonna cook uncovered. You can cover it for the first 10 minutes to avoid splatters all over your wall. <coughs> I 
it's a preference thing. My mom, she wants me to cover to avoid cleaning the wall all the time. You can leave it uncovered. And you gotta stir every so often. So your first 10 minutes, maybe give it a stir at the four minute mark, at the seven minute mark, and at the 10 minute mark. Around between the, around the 14, 15 minute mark, this is gonna start to thicken up. And this is where your stew can stick. And it's gonna be very, uh, it's gonna splatter a lot. It's gonna be rapidly boiling and it's gonna be going blah, 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 and it's gonna be splattering. And I will show you how to stir that up just the way I did before. Sometimes you may get a splatter on your finger or your arm and you'll go, ouch, and hopefully that doesn't happen. I'll show you when, it, when we get to that point. So again, rapid boil, set your timer for 20 minutes, and I'll be back around the 15 minute mark to show you how I'm gonna finish off the stew. So see you in about 15 minutes. Okay guys, so we're at the 15 minute mark. I had my pot covered for about 10 minutes. And I gave it a stir a few times, and we're actually almost to the, we're at the 16 minute mark. And my stew hasn't thickened up because there's more water. I added, uh, the, the extra water that I added, it's taking a longer time to thicken up because of my husband wanting the stew more runny. If I had added less water, it might have been okay. But it's a good time to show you guys before this is ready. Uh, how I stir. At this point, I've uncovered because I want some of the water to evaporate, even though my husband wants it runny, I do want it a little thicker. So I want some of the water to evaporate and I'm standing far away from my stove at this point because you can actually hear the rapid boiling and it is splattering, even my wall has marks on it. Um, which the marks, I'm just gonna wipe up with the wet cloth before they dry and they'll all go away. Um, so the safe way I have it uncovered, like we said. So I have my wooden spoon. I'm standing, as you're looking at the stove and your pot, I'm standing all the way to the right edge of the stove. My pot is on my left burner, which is against my wall. And I'm standing on the opposite side, the right side. And I'm holding my wooden spoon as much close to the tip of the handle as possible. And I'm gonna extend my arm feel for my pot. I feel that I I can even feel the boiling against the spoon and I'm going to give it a stir but I'm really far away from it. So this is the one way you're doing it and at this point you can feel the bottom of the pot. If you feel like it's starting to slightly stick then you know it's starting to thicken up and this is when you have to stir more constantly. The other way to do it is you grab your lid, which at this point, because I've had it off my food, it's cold, so I don't have to use a pot holder. You're gonna stand in front of your pot and you're gonna extend your arm out and you're gonna actually touch your pot with the lid. I'm holding the lid, it's not flat, I'm holding it up. Um, not the way you hold it to put it on the pot, flat, hold it up, upwards. So I'm holding it against the stove, for, uh, against the pot as a shield between me and the pot. And I'm putting my hand on the side. So the lid is in the front of the pot. My spoon is touching the edge of the 
the right side of the pot. And again, I'm going to give it a stir. And this way, while you're stirring, if it splatters and you're holding the spoon at the edge of the tip, it shouldn't splatter you. Once in a blue moon it might, like it didn't splatter me now. And I'm going to pull away with the lid. I'm not even gonna go close and put the lid down. And this way it didn't burn me or anything. So that's how you stir it. And like I said, because it's, I've got one minute left and my stew hasn't thickened up as much as I would like. And I, I have it on full high, uncovered. Um, again, this is because I added more water due to my husband. So I'm going to come back to you guys when it's ready. So I can just serve it and show you. At this point, like I said, I've described to you what it means to, for it to be ready. It'll start sticking a little bit. You'll feel it. And you just scrape it off the bottom of the pot. At this point, you're going to be stirring almost every minute. Once you feel like it's starting to kind of stick and you have to constant, you, you might have to constantly stir. And I would use the shield method uh, so that you don't get splattered and you'll feel the stew thicken up. And when we come back, I'll show you the end result. So see you maybe, I would say maybe it's gonna take another five minutes. I'll let you know. Okay, see you in a few minutes. Okay, so we're back, our stew is done. Um, it actually took about 30 minutes for it to, I call it thickening, but it's not exactly a thickening. You don't want your oil and your tomatoes and your water all separated. It should be all like a nice smooth sauce. In Greek, we call it vesi, which doesn't make sense in English because it's tying the sauce. Have you ever heard of that? Tying the sauce? No. But in Greek, it makes sense. Um, now, I had to, at the 30 minute mark, I've gotten the result I want. In what sense? This is a proper stew a proper soup, whatever you want to call it. It's too runny for my liking. So my husband, he's going to be thrilled because he's going to take half a loaf of bread and he's going to cut it into little pieces and he's going to put it in and it's going to soak up all the juices and whatever. He's going to eat it and he's going to be in heaven. Um, sometimes I make it to my liking and if I do, my husband loves me. We've been married for 25 years. He'll say to me, oh honey, it tastes so good, but next time could you make it a little thinner? So I kind of Sometimes I make it thinner for him. Sometimes I make it thicker for me. Um, today I had no choice. I couldn't go any thicker only because, as I said, my beans ended up boiling too quickly and I don't want my vegetables mush. So if I let it thicken to my liking, I would have gotten really mushy vegetables and I don't like that. I don't want mushy vegetables. So my choices were I get a good vegetable and less thick and husband is happy and that's what I chose. So it's really hot. I've taken it off the um, burner. The, the one we were using, I've put it on a cold burner, but the pot is scorching hot because we just took it off the stove. Normally you would let this sit for 20, 30 minutes before, at least before you serve. And I gotta tell you guys something. This is also another make ahead recipe. This will taste better tomorrow when the flavors have all settled and blended. Sometimes I'll serve it for dinner the day I make it and I'll get the, oh good, this is really good. And I'll serve it the next day for dinner and I'll get, mmm, oh my God, it's so delicious. And it's the same food, but because it's sat for 24 hours and it's blended and so on and so forth, it, it just, 
it's one of those like chili. Chili is always best the next day. So it's one of those experiences. Um, I just want to mention before I, I serve it that um, because I ended up letting it, usually it's at the 20 minute mark, 15 to 20 minutes, it should be ready. But because I added more water, I'm repeating myself, I had to boil it to the 30 mark. So basically by the time I got to the 18 minute mark, I had to basically uh, give it a good stir about every minute. So um, I've showed you guys this before, but I'm just going to do it quickly. Now I'm going to put my square pot holders. I mentioned before that I have ones that are attached with a, a string. So I'm actually going to put one on top of the other. I'm going to put a double layer of pot holders and I'm going to put my bowl on my pot holders and I'm going to, I have my four fingers at the bottom of the bowl under the pot holders and I have my thumb at the edge because I need to keep the bowl in place. And what did I do with, oh, okay. And I've got uh, a ladle and I've got a deep ladle, not, not one that's, um, not a wide one, a more deeper one because I want to, so I'm just going to scoop now and you can hear it dripping because maybe I'm not holding the, the spoon straight, the ladle straight, or maybe I overfilled it and I'm going to lift high, but over the pot and I'm going to put my bowl underneath and pour it into the bowl and I'm going to grab another ladle full. I'm going to do the same thing. Let the excess drip, pull up bowl under and in we go and a little bit more now also if somebody doesn't want it this runny you can kind of grab a ladle full and just tip gently so a lot of the liquid falls out but the vegetables and beans stay in and you would put that in the bowl to give somebody a um a thicker sort of feeling uh, how is fasolada served? If you're serving it on a fasting day, it's your typical bread, olives uh, with it. Most people, that's they eat it with uh, bread and olives on the side. Um, if it's not a fasting day, because like I said, this is something that Greek people love, this bean soup, they might have bread, olives, feta cheese, maybe a little bit of meat on the side. Um, most people like a little bit of sausage on the side or something like that. It's very normal just to eat it plainly. When this cools down completely, put it in a container and freeze it. And I'm just gonna lift up a, a teaspoon. And I'm just, actually I'm just stirring it in the bowl so you can kinda, for those of you who are sighted, you can see. And I'm just gonna lift up a teaspoon. I just wanna give you guys a result of what the vegetables and the beans are like. So give me a, a second, I'm gonna blow on it. Because if I put this in my mouth, I'm going to go to the hospital. Okay, so. Vegetables are, um, they're not mush. They might be a little bit overdone for some people, but they're not mush at all, by all means. They're holding their shape and everything. Beans are good. They're a little overdone, but they're good. Um, salt is good to my liking. Pepper is good to my liking. And it's actually very, very delicious. So despite the few little problems that I had today, and these are problems that are going to happen. 
and it doesn't matter. <laughs> we still have a wonderful dish. My husband's going to be ecstatic. My family's going to be ecstatic. I hope you guys can follow my instructions. It's good that these videos are on YouTube. You can pause and follow my instructions. You know, play again, pause. You can jot down your own notes, so on and so forth. So I hope you enjoy this very, very traditional uh, Greek recipe, fasolava, bean soup. And again, as in every recipe I make, I would love to hear from anybody who tried it, who made it. Maybe you made it and came across a problem that I didn't address and you want to ask me a question. I don't know if I can solve all your problems, but I will definitely try. Um, and that's it. So enjoy fasolava. I'm going to wait for that to cool down and grab some bread and chow down. It is a Wednesday. So I'm going to have it uh, as soon as it's ready and I'm sure it'll be better tomorrow and I'm probably gonna freeze some I don't know I've got five people to feed they're all gonna eat today and then I'm also gonna serve this on Friday because Friday is another fast day so ten bowls are gonna go so I might actually not have anything to freeze or I might have one or two bowls to freeze and that would be great because if I don't feel like cooking on a Wednesday and I just need to, you know, pull out something quick. I can pull the bowls out and we can eat. So that's it. That's all. I, I way overwent the time again and I apologize. But I do love you all and I hope you're enjoying my shows and my comments and my jokes and my recipes most of all. So a blind kiss to you, to you, to you. Love you guys. See you on our next episode. Bye for now. I am your host, Zoe Fiogos. With sincere love and gratitude, I thank you for watching Zoe's Blind Kitchen Corner.